everyone. Welcome to the Future Construct Podcast. I am your host, Amy Peck. I am so excited for today's guest, Heather Woodman, who is a principal at Building Ventures. Uh, but I also like what you put on your LinkedIn profile, which is investing in a better built world. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Amy. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So I want to dive in, you know, on, on, on what you're working on and, and talk a little bit about the firm and, and your portfolio, but, you know, you're, you're, you know, in, you know, a, a, a woman in business and I, you know, I hate to play the female card, but it is always fascinating that we have so few women and you're in not one, but two industries that are, let's say a little light on women. And so how did you land where you are today? And, you know, what was that, what was that journey? Sure. Yes, it's 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 very true, and um, I love that you know it's you and I here talking today um, in similar industries, and we're wearing matching outfits. Uh, we to, we to and top that, it off. Not even you know, it was just pure coincidence. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so really showing our support for one another uh, in, in many ways here, but. Um, you know, we like to quote Steve Jobs, uh, not just because of our black turtlenecks here, but, uh, you know, in his his famous saying, I'm paraphrasing, but you can only connect uh, the dots looking backward. Uh, so if I weave together a story that sounds coherent as to how I ended up here, it's only because uh, I'm doing it from <laughs> from the future looking back and and not that much of this was was planned. But I'll start from closer to present day. Um, I came from before joining Building Ventures and switching to um, to the financial side of things, venture side of things. Uh, I came from startups myself, uh, more generalist background, working at several different um, software startups. And my background was really in product and uh, marketing. So I had you know a, a big focus on on go to market and most importantly. Uh, the customer, sort of everything. If there is a thread throughout my career, it's been you know roles that have been um, very customer centric and customer focused. Um, some might say customer obsessed, uh, and <laughs> and actually that is sort of what appealed to uh, the co-founders, my GPs at uh, at Building Ventures, uh, Jesse Devitt and Travis Connors. Uh, when they recruited me to join the team, and we sh we can definitely talk about this more later. But so many of the teams we work with are, you know, challenged uh, with um, complex uh, go to market in our industries, and um, you know, it's a skill set that I love to be able to continue to bring to bear uh, to help our teams, and also I think in a, in evaluating opportunities. Um, it's really important to understand how teams are thinking about it, albeit you know they may not have uh, go to market fully fleshed out yet. But being able to screen for that customer centricity and obsession um, was one of the things you know that I think led me to to this career. That's less obvious, I think, when when folks are thinking about a career in venture. But the truth of the matter is, is at those startups that I had worked at most recently, um, the common thread was an investor by the name of Travis Connors, uh, so one of our <laughs> one of our GPs here at Building Ventures, uh, 
Travis over time uh, became a mentor and a friend of mine, an advisor. And um, that was, you know, my entry point into venture. And to be quite honest, I, I hadn't really thought in the moment uh, when he approached me with this opportunity, I hadn't thought that my time to kind of make this switch was was at this was at that distinct moment in time. I really thought maybe a few years down the road that would be something I would consider, but you know maybe I needed um, you know to move you know found my own thing first or so the opportunity really just presented itself and 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 I left and I think that is you know a critical thing when we're talking about women. And you know, underrepresented uh, folks in both venture and our industry, it it, it does take you know allyship, um, you know, from those who you know have maybe fit you know the the earlier patterns <laughs> um, to step up and and recognize talent and surround themselves with diverse talent to choose from. So uh, that's certainly you know a, a first principle here that we're we're trying to um, do even more in that in that regard um, beyond just hiring me at Building Ventures, but with both our teams and um, and as we grow our team in the future. Um, but before that, yeah, before that, if anyone looks at my, you know, my uh, LinkedIn, or if you know me better than that, and you're looking at social media or know, you know, what I majored in, it, you're going to be like, how, how the heck did, did she, you know, take these twists and turns um, to be, you know, in construction and real estate tech, let alone venture. But um, honestly, even as a kid, I was obsessed with cities. I grew up in suburban Connecticut, um, which put me luckily in very close train proximity to uh, to New York City. I'm a Boston girl now, so you know, don't get it twisted. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but but I spent a lot of my a lot of my youth, you know, going in and out of the city. I was very involved in the arts. Um, and even then, you know, I would look around and be, you know, very fascinated and obsessed with this kind of mix of glass and steel and, you know, um, old brownstones and, you know, the vibrancy of, of, of cities and all that they had to offer and, uh, and the diversity that it fostered. And over time, you know, really coming to understand and think and be somewhat um, obsessed with how our cities and our buildings really impact um, the betterment of humanity or the opposite. Uh, and you know the impact that our buildings have on our outcomes in life and the disparities that we see. So it really was this opportunity joining building ventures to merge you know something that had been just kind of a passion on the side for me um, with my actual work life. So um, pretty much I, I, I lucked out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. And and it's funny, we're getting more and more touch points because I went to boarding school outside of Boston. I too um, spent a lot of time in Connecticut. I'm from, from New York, uh, but I've done that Metro North train ride. And, you know, and it's interesting how it goes from as you, as you leave Connecticut and then you go through, you know, Westchester County and it just gets more and more and more and more urban. And, and then, yeah. you know, then you kind of go underground after 125th street. So no, I know it well. Oh. And I know how it never gets old. So just, I was just saying, I'm getting, as you're describing it, I'm getting chills. Like, you know, it's the first time uh, I'm taking the train ride <laughs> again, because I can just, I can, I can, I can see it so perfectly. Um, 
So <laughs> yeah, twinsies you know, again. <laughs> you know, I, think, I, I think, you know, when you talk, talk about your career path, I, I, it's interesting because I do think that many people have that same, you know, you don't necessarily have a plan, but you know, you're, you're driven by what's in front of you at the moment. And I, and I almost think that, especially now, um, having that fluidity and, and being able to just take each opportunity as it comes. Um, and it, you know, I, it's scarier, I think for people, but I think you end up, you know, doing things that kind of put, you know, push you a little bit and, and enrich you. So I, I, I sure. your career makes total sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and not to get too philosophical, but I mean, honestly, the more, I, I love to plan. I try to plan. It's just, you know, it, it's just a, a fallacy though. We can, we can think we're planning it all out. It's never going to end that way. So we might as well embrace that, <laughs> that life's going to throw us curveballs and, and be flexible and, and ready to, you know, seize the opportunities, as you say. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, in, in looking at, uh, you know, the, where you are in the, in the venture world, you, know, you said a few things that I think are really critical. And I think w- which probably make, you and building ventures, you know, more than just a VC, but truly a strategic VC, which is what I think startups, you know, all startups should look for. And because you come from the customer centric side of it, which is, is I think, you know, something that sometimes, you know, founders miss. They're so focused on product and solving a problem. And, and if they don't kind of understand that customer piece or the go-to-market piece, um, you, you know, it doesn't matter how great the product is. And so I'd love to hear, you know, just how you work with some of your companies and some of the portfolio companies, uh, you know, feel free to name drop. And I, I know you can't, you know, play, <laughs> play favorites, but we'll assume you love, you know, all your children equally, but, you know, I'd love to hear about a few of them. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. So a lot, a, a lot we can cover um, in, in them. Um so first of all, I'll start off with sort of what, you know, both what we're looking for uh, collectively as building ventures um, in founders, and then also, you know, kind of specifically um, what, I'm, what I'm screening for. And then we can talk about some of the amazing folks who exemplify those things for sure, which could take us you know, the whole podcast, because I love to brag about them all. Um, But, you know, we say that we as a team are seeking, you know, a startup with transformational impact. We're not just, you know, that's why we don't kind of focus on the trans, the uh, transactional side of like the real estate part of investing. We really want things that are going to, you know, change the world and for the better. Um, We're also looking for, you know, the right stage, which we can come back to later. And we say truly visionary founders who are, you know, relentlessly resourceful, because uh, you have to be in the startup world, and highly formidable. And that goes without saying, because there's a steep road ahead. And we need really smart people um, who can who can, you know, withstand everything that's that's thrown their way. Um, but, you know, personally, I've given part of it away already is, you know, I'm screening to understand how well do you know your customer at this moment in time, whether you're still, you know, we're, we're at that kind of seed series A line. So you likely already have um, a product underway, even if it's an MVP, but, you know, 
you said from the product perspective, of course, you need to imbue what you're building with your customer to solve the problem. And that should go without saying. But also, you know, how are you thinking? I'm looking for how are you thinking about pricing? That pricing model may change, but are you thinking about your costs when you're building that pricing model? Or are you thinking about your customer and how they operate and what's their willingness to pay? And, you know, what are their budgetary cycles like? And, and just seeing how you know founders are thinking about these things, whether or not they have them fully fleshed out already or not, um, I think it is very telling. And the other thing I'm really screening for, and this comes more from my from my product side, is this idea of kind of design thinking. And again, not just on the product, not just on the feature prioritization and the roadmap, but um, one thing I think that's often very telling uh, to me is how you're designing your team and your broader, the broader like fabric of your culture. And if a founder is giving that level of thought, um, especially Amy, everything you know, you teed up at the beginning. Like, are, are you thinking about diversity on your team? Because we know um, the facts show us that a diverse team is a stronger team. Um, and how are you building that into the into the fabric? Of, of your design of your organization for, um, for future growth and immediate impact. Um, those are always kind of two things that for me separate out, you know, the kind of creme de la creme um, from a lot of otherwise great potential solutions. Um, yeah, so let, let, let's I'll and, pause and, there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know because I, I, I actually now, now I want to get into to the children. We want to talk about these companies, but we are just going to take a a momentary break to hear from our sponsors. And we'll be right back to hear about some of your amazing portfolio companies. Well, welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with Amy Peck. And Amy, we have time for just one last question. So tell me this, if you could project yourself 20, 25 years into the future, and if you could bring with you you any product or service that would make your life better, what would it be and what would you do? Well, Heather, I'm so glad that you asked this question because I do (laughs) think about this a lot. And what I really (laughs) want to have is... Um, you know, I'm not afraid of the implant. So I want to be able to seamlessly access any layer of data, which I guess we sort of refer to as the AR cloud now, um, but that I can just see data when I think it, or like if I, I say, see someone on the street and I kind of know who they are, that it'll quickly like give me the bullet points of what the conversation was the last one we had. Um, so that it's, but, but that it's like, I don't have to ask for it. Right. It just sort of knows what I'm thinking and it gives me that information. So that's really what I want. That's brilliant. (laughs) Hopefully we'll get there. (laughs) Just, just give me their names and that would be, be I know I like, I can't, like, I feel so bad or or like their LinkedIn profile, right. Let's sort of floating next to them because I feel so bad. I feel like such a jerk when I don't remember someone, but like at a conference I might meet, I don't know a thousand people. Like if you went to a, you know, a a pitch competition with 50 founders, would you be able to remember all of their names? No. So. No. (laughs) (laughs) 
and we are back and let's dive right into some of the portfolio companies because I know you're dying to talk about them and I'm dying to hear about them. <laughs> yes, yes, completely. Um, I love bragging about our portfolio. Um, and actually, you know, we just completed investing out of our first fund, um, which ended up being 16 investments. So I have a lot of children to uh, to talk about there. And we also just made our inaugural investment out of fund one. Uh, so I want to give my first shout out um, to our first investment out of fund two, which is in an amazing company called um, Animated Insights which they are a digital twin, really an operating system uh, for buildings. And what really stood out amongst the team, they're not just uh, their incredible depth of experience in both um, entrepreneurship and the controls uh, industries, which sometimes you, know, you don't have, uh, have that mix <laughs> of experience, uh, but, you know, really is was the way that they were attacking the problem. So going back to um, this idea of, you know, leading with the problem you're trying to solve and customer centricity, um, they completely understand the operational use cases of a digital twin and how it really can make an impact in the day-to-day operations of you know, and, and workflows of chief engineers and facilities managers. Um, and that really, we look at, you know, categories of technologies that really stood out to us and, and, you know, really leading with, um, with those workflows first. And I just, since we were talking about New York City, it's the perfect one to mention first, because they didn't start, you know, out going after, you know, an easy building with, I have to say, you know, for Amy's sake, with, with a great BIM uh, that they could just plug into and create the 3D rendering. No, they started with like the Chrysler building, <laughs> you know, one of the <laughs> oldest buildings in New York where they, they're like, you know, pulling together, um, you know, PDFs. Uh, to create, you know, to create the 3D model, and and um, so I, I love I love a team that that starts with a with a big challenge. <laughs> wow, I love so, that. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I'm right there with you. I'm very bullish on on digital twins. To me, it's going to be the anchor. You know, not just for smart buildings, but it's going to be the way that smart smart buildings wire into smart cities. And so, without it, we just we're not going to have the level of understanding and, and knowledge. Uh, of operational systems that that we're going to need, a hundred percent, and and also the way you know everything we do at Building Ventures, you know, we take this kind of systems approach to how we think about the built environment and all the friction that you know falls in between the way we design, build, and operate, and then ultimately experience our built world. And you know, these guys are thinking about you know how do we reduce friction at kind of every point and and plug in um, you know what. Like we were talking about, you know, before we even started filming, you know, that partnership and API centric thinking that I think can really change the way people operate um, our built world, you know, with technology at their backs. But um, but it's it's people and processes that ultimately will deliver real change. And I think that team is one of many that's uh, that's enabling that. Um, That's fantastic. But... And I know, you're, you know, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're, you are particularly, you know, passionate about sustainability. And I know that that's, you know, drives some of the way you look at uh, your investments. So what are some of the companies that are working to to solve that both, you know, with, with, you know, new, new buildings, but retroactively? 
Yeah, I can, I mean, we could talk about this for, for a whole day, but um, let me just tee it off by saying, you know, we talk about this internally as, you know, one of our guiding principles. Um, we call it the 40% problem or the 40% opportunity, depending on what kind of mood we're in <laughs> at any given time or the audience we're speaking to. Um, but, you know, basically what it comes down to is that buildings and, and building uh, account for 40% of CO2 emissions, 40% of global energy usage, same on raw material usage and the waste in our landfills. So that's like four strikes we're out, not three. And so it's it's critical that we need to be tackling this from every angle. And you know, Amy, as you know, on on the breakout of like responsibilities and focus on our investment team, I tend to focus. Um, I'm one of I lead along with Travis the. Um, existing buildings efforts. So more of what's traditionally thought of as, as prop tech. Um, but that doesn't mean we're all we're all very focused and concerned with the entire life cycle. But uh, my my cohort um, on the, the West Coast lead up uh, the construction and, and design sourcing uh, of, of our opportunities. But so yeah, so we're thinking about this from every angle. And, um, you know, for me, one of one of the uh, tickets to actually having an impact is, you know, adaptive reuse and making our spaces more flexible and reusable from both the materials, um, reuse and sourcing side, um, and just the ability for spaces to grow and flex and change with the teams or, you know, groups that are utilizing them. And our portfolio company, Kanoa, is a perfect example of this. You know, not only are they able to go into um, any kind of property type and rethink what that usage might be. So hopefully there's a future where um, building codes allow us to be much more uh, flexible in, in usage, converse, converting, you know, one asset type to another. Um, and they'll be ready for that. But right now, you know, what they're really focused on is taking office fit outs and making them sustainable in a way from every angle, from every angle. Like I said, they're, they'll source, um, the, you know, the most, um, sustainable materials you'll be able to reuse and move balls, uh, in your design Everything is imbued with flexibility and uh, and sustainability from the design through um, the furniture that you're using. So that's a that one covers almost every phase of the life cycle, which is what stood out to us when we when we met Fed Negra, the uh, the uh, CEO and founder there. That's, that's great, and you know I, I I like the way you know you you um, verbalize this and and talk about you know, we have to attack it from every angle. And a lot of it is awareness too. I think it's, it's like, if you're, if you're actively trying to solve these problems as you're designing your products and services, it becomes much less of a heavy lift than where we are now with, you know, existing buildings, which is now having to figure out how we can retrofit them and, and, you know, make them more sustainable in the areas where we can make an impact. And, and I think that's probably one of the bigger challenges. A hundred percent. And, you know, I think it was, um, I heard Stacy uh, Smedley of Skanska, you know, she articulated that, you know, we, we have enough 
building stock really right now to uh, to service everything we need. And and Fed of Kanoa likes to um, also remind us that you know we need to build less uh, to to help save the planet. But it was even Mark Reynolds, the CEO of um, a general contractor over in the UK, uh, a very important firm called Mace. Uh, who was recently talking to our investor network, and he said the same thing. So when the general contractor community is saying, you know, how do we use what we have better? And then, of course, we're not going to stop building. We have we have to build. We have a massively exploding population that we need to take care of, and we're not even taking care of, you know, all those that we that we have on the planet today. Um, but if we can build more sustainably, new construction, and then really take advantage of the existing building stock, um, maybe we'll, we'll be able to make an impact. No, I think, and I think that's really important, you know, and I, and I think that everyone's knee jerk reaction is, well, you know, we're just going to lose business and, and no, there's going to be business in, you know, updating existing buildings and optimizing and digitizing. I mean, there's plenty of work and the business models will evolve over time and we shouldn't be worried about the bottom line right now because it's not about the bottom line. No. <laughs> and the bottom line isn't that great to begin with. I mean, we're, you know, we're we're we've been struggling with productivity and profitability in our industries for a while and I hate to sound like a broken record, but isn't part of that because we haven't been listening to our customers and um, you know, and and that'll take me down, you know, away from the path of of sustainability and into you know this notion of um, buildings as a business or you know space as a service. But you know that's the other I think macro trend that you know we're really thinking about and investing in is you know how real estate especially, but but construction as well. You know how do we approach this like any other business? with the end user in mind, instead of just thinking about what's needed to, you know, continue to secure that, you know, 10 year lease um, that only the CFO really cares about. I mean, that those days are gone. So yeah. just put it from your mind. That's, <laughs> that is not what you do anymore, owners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how are you going to delight um, your, your end users? And, also take care of, you know, one of your greatest stakeholders, the planet and the communities that you're a part of. So um, that takes us into a whole other realm. (laughs) Very, no, no, no. And I I know, but I I think you're right. And, and, you know, you mentioned kind of the the thesis of how you are looking at companies and, and, you know, what, what you're looking for. Um, And, and, you know, in combination with what what we've been talking about, which is, you know, what are some of the new business models and what are some of the new trends and and ways that, you know, owners can sort of, you know, maximize space. So can we talk about some of those business models and and just what you're seeing and and what you think is, is really viable now? Yeah, certainly. So obvious, the obvious trend, you know, in sort of under our thesis of, you know, buildings as a business or um, what, you know, a lot of folks call and, and we think of these as not synonymous, but very related, you know, space as a service, you know, that's really all being ushered in by, you know, that change in mentality of those long, those long uh, predictable 
successful lease terms and what the customers uh, are demanding and what was ushered in by WeWork and others with um, flexible lease terms and uh, co-working and co-living. And that I, I, we felt like that was one of the first chips to fall to really force owners to uh, take a step back and and think about you know these traditional ways of 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 how they've been operating. So you know when we think about this thesis, we say kind of you know the old way is obviously my building is a financial asset, and therefore who am I beholden to? Well, I'm a REIT, my investors, um, but also you know the customer I'm serving is you know the CFO or whoever is taking out you know the checkbook and signing that long-term lease. And what are the features that I, I have to deliver? Well, you know, besides, you know, the, the most basic of amenities, you know, is location, 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 because everyone is going to commute to a single uh, centrally located city-based uh, location. And so what do I have to worry about? Well, we all know because of the kerfuffle, <laughs> even before, no, even, be- even before this was, this was, you know, this, this trend was well underway, but the kerfuffle has accelerated this tremendously. And, and again, giving so much power to the individual to say, you know, whether or not they're, they're going to go into that um, perfectly located, perfectly located office or not. And, you know, what terms um, workplaces and, you know, more than ever, you know, heads of people and um, heads of work workplace, you know, some, titles that didn't even exist are, are really calling the shots and, and demanding flexibility and, you know, all types of new amenities for, for their customers. Like, you know, I think rolling the tip of the iceberg when we're thinking about like indoor air quality and, um, and what comfort uh, really means and what's important comfort wise uh, for, for tenants Um in workspaces. So, and again, I'm, I'm trying to get too much in here at once, but um, so, so that's the sort of stuff that we're seeing um, on, on, you know, the, the real estate on, on the buildings as a business side. And the new model is really, again, that owners have to service all stakeholders. And um, this is not just the CFO and, and their investors, although those are still stakeholders, but those end users, the communities that they're in, um, their own employees, uh, you know, so much it, labor is a whole other topic, you know, both on attracting folks on the real estate side and attracting um, workers on the construction side. And if, if, if you think your organization isn't being a steward of the planet and their communities, like you don't, you don't really want to be employed there anymore. So um, there's so much for them to demonstrate and so many opportunities uh, for them to provide, you know, you know, the services that, that occupiers um, really want Um, a totally different sort of example of this um, a portfolio company of ours um, that we think kind of epitomizes this is, is, Connectivity. Um, I think for a long time, owners have have thought, you know, kind of this is this is an amenity. This is you know um, something that is behind the uh, the tenant door. So it's not anything that that we need to to think about. But as we are, you know, 
bringing buildings online as we are finally moving towards smart buildings. Um, the connectivity that that you provide in your own IT OT world um, with all the devices we're putting in security is is critical as you are changing your business model and offering flex space. This is a service that is expected um, that you provide. And uh, we have a company, Join Digital, that converge network as, as a service um, that you know really has made this turnkey for both owners and occupiers if they choose to take it on, on themselves. But I feel like no more is connectivity, you know, a, a tenant responsibility as part of the fit out. I think we're going to see more and more owners taking responsibility, both because they want to and have to. And it all, you know, boils back to the security of the building itself and um, what the new amenity set really is. Yeah, um, that, makes, that, make, that makes sense. And I think, um, you know, you're, you just mentioned your, your fund number two and you made your inaugural investment um, for the startups who I'm sure are all gravitating now to be able to hear you speak and, and find ways to reach out to you. How, you know, what, how, what is your, what does your deal flow look like and what are you looking for? Yeah, well, I'm happy to say that we have, you know, deal flow has just been climbing and climbing what up and to the right, whichever way that is, uh, <laughs> recorded. um, you know, steadily since I, since I joined three years ago. Um, and yet, you know, we're still at, as far as, um, the built environment goes, we're still a small, but growing, uh, portion of, as everyone sees those huge dollars, um, flowing into, uh, into venture capital. Um, but we're definitely taking a larger and larger chunk as time goes on. Um, and, but, you know, you can reach out to us, um, you know, through our website, um, and that will come directly either um, at, in, until we uh, hire analysts and associates to uh, myself or my my colleague on, on the West Coast, Greg. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're looking for, you know, exactly what we talked about uh, earlier, that transformational impact, um, you know, hitting on those themes uh, that we touched on earlier today, um, we can't we can't you know state overstate the importance of everything that we're investing in technology wise. You know, at least you know not having a detrimental impact uh, on on climate and our planet. But you know that's really a lens uh, that we're looking through, and and that prior we kind of prioritize um, opportunities that. You know, make us more efficient um, and and are are beneficial to moving to a net zero um, planet. And you know, we're looking for those founders who, like I said, are 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 visionary, who um, who are resourceful and formidable, and are are looking to change the world with with their teams um, and uh, and and build a, a better built world. I mean, that's our slogan, not just for marketing purposes, that really is like the, the first and ultimate lens of how we, of how we measure whether an investment is, is a fit for us or not. Uh, it's, it's not lip service. That really is um, what drives us as a team. Yeah. And, and I, I can say just, you know, listening to you and, and working with a lot of startups and, and a lot of VCs, um, you know, in, in my line of work um, that, uh, you know, having a, having a, a VC 
like you who really understands, you know, customer and and then really has an ethos behind it. I I, I think everyone should be reaching out to you guys. And <laughs> if, they're, if, they're, if they're really doing Thank something you. great, you are really going to be, like I said, more of a strategic partner um, than just writing checks. And, and I think that that is critically important now, um, especially since there are such lofty goals and there are so many boxes that need to be ticked to, to that really make a great company that truly, you know, we, it's the Silicon Valley um, joke, but that, but that are really making the world a better place. And, and I yeah. think you guys are doing that. And so I really, I applaud your work. <laughs> well, thank you. And I, I think you, you, you touched on something, um, my co-founder, Jesse Devitt says all, all the time that, you know, we're, we really are as an industry, a combined industry at this unique moment in time where we have the opportunity to, to step up and make a huge impact on, on people and the planet. And we feel, you know, every day, you know, it's, we're lucky to be surrounded by all these amazing entrepreneurs. Um, you know, and I wish we could invest in them all. Um, but you know, we, we, ha- we can't, we're limited in our resources, but you know, you feel the, the passion, the excitement and, and, um, and truly the drive right now, you feel it accelerating and, you know, you hate to, to say anything, you know, good comes from this kerfuffle, but, um, I think it really lit a fire under all of our collective asses <laughs> you can say and, that you can say that i've been holding back because I, I i i'm very nice but i do swear a lot um, me too me too yeah i'm a big swearer so i'm okay i'm okay yeah. with it <laughs> but a little fire under our collective asses to like to to sort it out and and accelerate um and change and i think we're going to look backward um from the future and see this as being a real inflection point, um, you know, and, and, and that's another thing that's like very critical to how, how we're assessing, you know, even beyond founders, like solutions, so much is dependent on that moment in time. Um, why is now the, the moment where we can actually find traction with a solution? And, you know, sometimes that's because a technology has come to, um, come to the right age. Um, sometimes it's because a technology has been broadly adopted, like think mobile phones enabling, um, you know, the rise of car sharing. We could never, mm-hmm. we couldn't have embraced that opportunity. Did we not all have, you know, that device in our, in our hands? Um, and, you know, I think something that's very important, but we don't like to talk about is regulation. I have all the faith in the world that many owners are going to choose to uh, adopt technology and implement amazing sustainable sustainability practices because it's in the goodness of their heart. <laughs> Some of them are in need of regulation. Yes, <laughs> to, yes, yes. Some need a bigger push. Like local law 97. To, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, to make that happen, whether, you know, whether it's because, uh, you know, it's just not easy for them or because they really need the stick. Um but the most interesting inflection point, and this is what I think is upon us right now, is this change in belief system. And I really, you know, we have wonderful investors um, from across that uh, that system that is the built environment. And we just hear 
from them all the time. You know, I mentioned Mark Reynolds from Mace. These leaders have changed their belief. They're like, we do have a responsibility to uh, to be more sustainable. We do have a responsibility to um, have safer job sites. We do have a responsibility to delight uh, our customers and be better stewards um, of our communities. And you feel it from every angle. So that makes that makes every day very exciting. <laughs> That's great. We're going to have to get more of those people on our show to, to put that message out there. So thank you for bringing that up and naming some names because we're going to be calling. I can, re- <laughs> I can recommend more than a few uh, who, who who I think would love to talk to you and and can go much deeper uh, into uh, into the things that I you know keep at a at a high level, but uh, yeah. the ones that teach me. <laughs> good, good. No, I, I'm all for it, and I think the message is important. And I think we do have to kind of draw a hard line in the sand. And like you said, I think there are those who recognize the importance of looking at how we, you know, more responsibly about how we do things. And then there are others who are going to need a much bigger flame (laughs) to make them do it. Mm -hmm. So, but at least we have the opportunity, you know, to leverage media to, to, to kind of get the message out there. So uh, we're happy to do that. Um, So this brings us to the last question that I ask everyone, uh, which is, you know, if you could project yourself 20, 25 years in the future and you could bring with you any product or service that just, you know, made you happy or in some way made your life better, what would it be and what would it do? All right. Wow. I think, am I allowed to pick two? Yeah. You can pick as oh, many okay. as you want because we're grownups. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> love, love the opportunity to occasionally break a rule. Um, so I think first, I think my first choice, and this is because uh, I'll say, you know, my my partner Travis likes to say that I over-index on efficiency. <laughs> uh, to put it nicely, <laughs> uh, I have to, and also my my you know my geekiness of uh, of what I love to watch growing up, but I have to choose um, a, a teleportation device as one of them. So, you know, the old Star Trek uh, transporter, uh, yeah. beam me up, Amy sort of thing, yeah. because I mean, just the ability to, to get from one place to another uh, immediately um, would be absolutely amazing. Um, and then I could travel a lot more. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so I think that would, that would be incredible, although probably impossible, um, to ever exist, but I mean, smarter people. No, I think, I think, might say. I, think we're, I think I have faith that, that technology will, will solve all of these for us. Okay. Great, what's number great. two? <laughs> so the other one is the other side of me. Um, so yeah, so you'll see my, my polarities play out here, but so yeah, transporter for efficiency. Um, but on the creative side, I've been having, and I think I've heard other people say this, um, has been happening during the kerfuffle for them too. I've been having like really crazy dreams lately. And it's made me think like, you know, and I know that there are, are are people that are that are studying this and working on this and have been for a long time. But I want to record my damn dreams and like, for better or worse, like be able to watch them back yes. or, or read them back because I know I have good ideas, like actual practical good ideas. Sometimes some stuff is just 
insane. It could make like a really insane HBO special or, or series. <laughs> I like that. Um, and some of it is like, wow, that really taught me something like dark and scary about myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> how did I, I even, how did idea. I even come up with that? <laughs> that's a great idea because I see that it's not necessarily kind of related to anything obvious, but that, that it's the subtext and, and because it comes from the subconscious. So I'm right there with you. I, I like that idea. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to vote, you know, founders who are out there that have, you know, that same dream, like you need to get yeah. working on, you need to get working on that now so we can deliver that, you know, in the next 15, 20 years. Uh, well, we're yeah, we, have to, we're, we might we're regret have to it. No, I think it's, oh, it'll be, I think it will be fine, but you know, we, uh, this is, we absolutely have to come back. Cause I think we have like 20 more hours of programming we could actually do. Um, and it's been such yeah. a pleasure speaking with you today and, uh, you know, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you.